The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are going to be reviewing uh, Richard Linklater's 2014 film, Boyhood. Uh, It's hard to call a movie like this a 2014 film as it encompassed over a decade. But nonetheless, uh, we will be getting into our review momentarily. But first, how you doing, Corey? (laughs) I'm still still sick. I'm pretty sure I have the plague. Um, Ooh. But I'm okay. Makes me happy that we're on Skype. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like taking these these like amoxicillin pills. Thank you, doctor. That are like 875 milligrams mm. each, twice a day. And I still my ear like I couldn't hear some today. Coughing, running nose, all these disgusting things. I don't feel like I should have to deal with. Yeah, but yeah. How are you? I I'm okay. Um, my voice does sound like it might be going all of a sudden. I've been fine. I don't feel particularly sick or anything, but um, you know, it's been uh an interesting week. I have my students writing um an analytical essay on that thing you do. Um, oh, that they've been working of, they've been working on all week. So it's like I have a lot of stuff to to grade and whatnot, but I haven't had to do a whole lot at work because I'm not lecturing. I mean. I say that, and it's, I've probably done more work this week than when I do lecture because I have a billion questions coming at me like every five seconds. You know, someone, Mr. Brinkville, Mr. Brinkville, I don't understand. How do I, what's this? And what about, do you think this is okay? And it's just like every time I turn my head, it's like, oh, my God, hold on. Wait, I'm coming. Wait, just wait. Hold on. Because, um, you know, they all want you when they need you. Right now. Uh, um, yeah, which, you know, I, I handle pretty well, but I do have – some attention issues where like I want to help all of them. Mm-hmm. So I get really distracted when someone else calls me. And so like I can be in mid sentence and then like look away because someone said my name and I'm like, I have to help this person now. And the person's like, you haven't finished. I'm like, too Do late. Know, uh, you should tell them to leave you alone. If you're like in, I feel like that's like, I'm sorry, students. I'm not trying to rag on you, <laughs> but like not to interrupt people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they, are um very much meaning to not interrupt but they are kind of oblivious it seems to other people speaking um and it it's always interesting i don't know if it's um because like on social media you can just post what you're thinking without having to wait on anybody i don't know if mm-hmm. that's where that comes in or i mean sometimes also, it's enthusiasm and and like passion and i'm, I'm always for that but yeah also i'm thinking cuz like at work if i need help like making eye contact and letting the person that I need help from know that I need their help next so they don't forget me and go somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's something like that too. Yeah. And uh, you know, and again, I, I always, I try not to get frustrated because I know they mean well, um, mm-hmm. but it, it does, it, it does wear on you by the end of the day, especially like three class periods in a row or today we have all six classes on Fridays. Um, and it's like it was pretty much nonstop today, and I was like, "Okay, wow, I'm ready to sit down at the end of the day." Oh, because I'm running in circles because they're all on the computers, <laughs> but I'm like going to each kid, you know. And, and I have the way my lab's set up; I basically have two rooms, but there's a doorway connecting them, so it's like 
it could be one room, but they divided it up so we could shut off, like, to do, like, sound recording or whatever if we needed to. And um, so it, I am running around in circles quite a bit. But, um, yeah, but I have ma- managed to still watch a lot of movies this week, even though we have not watched one in my class because like, we watched that thing you do about two weeks ago. But we've been talking about it, and then this week they're having to take some of the stuff we've talked about and come up with an um, analytical thesis and then start breaking the film down into, you know, an essay. So, um, but I've been watching a lot of stuff at home. And I mean, last Friday when we recorded, I had just got home from seeing I, Tanya, Um, And since then, I've been to the theater a few times. I think one, two, three, four times this week, um, which is more than normal. I've gone to the theater four out of the uh, seven days or so. So um, I've seen quite a bit. And you've seen at least one that I know of, aside from Boyhood. Is that- <laughs> um, so I started my class on Monday. That was emotionally exhausting. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I had to break this movie up over three nights. Sorry about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, because um, I had a whole, I had like a 35-page chapter to read for class. I'm not a skimmer. I can't skim. And anyone that texts me knows that if I, can't, I do skim something, you're not going to get back the information you want. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know. I couldn't do it, but um, I did. I went to see Phantom Thread last night. I really wanted to go see it last week, but I was dying. So um, it, w- it was fun. I, yeah, with my friend that I go to the movies with almost weekly, and she's pretty hilarious and probably some unsolicited solicited movie um I don't know. We try not to talk three movies, but that movie was so messed up. It was good, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. But holy heck, those people have problems. Yeah, I saw Phantom Thread on Sunday um, with, <laughs> with my wife, which I was excited. I was able to convince her to go, and um, we both liked it a whole lot. I, I loved it. I don't know how strong she liked it, but um, we both liked it for sure. I, I think love is my word. Um I'm still kind of new to Paul Thomas Anderson. I've only seen There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights once when I was probably way too young to understand what Boogie Nights was about. And I am looking forward to uh, later in the year we're going to be doing Paul Thomas Anderson Month where all of our movies for Movie Club will be from Paul Thomas Anderson. But uh, Phantom Thread definitely got me excited about that month because I was so captivated. But, like I would never thought a movie about a dressmaker and the 1950s like London would excite me like this movie did. I was so captivated and into the characters. The performances were amazing. I've been a big Daniel day Lewis fan for a long time. Um, so that wasn't a surprise, but knew it wasn't going to be what we were expecting. I knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. uh, Watching those trailers. You know, I can't remember who said it. Um, I think it was, I think it was film spotting. Um, mentioned that this movie is a lot like Hitchcock's Rebecca. And I hadn't placed that mm-hmm. until they said it, but there's a lot of her trying to fit into this household that already exists and has an established, you know, ruler. And there's already a female uh, kind of lead of the house different now in the, in, um, you know, in Phantom Thread, it's, the, it's his sister instead of his uh, housekeeper or whatever her title was in Rebecca. But there are, uh, once they said it, I was like, Oh my goodness, there are a lot of similarities in those two movies. But- I don't feel like I don't know. I uh, and now I'm free. oh Alma. I felt like uh, I think uh, I don't even know how to say it because I don't want to like give yeah, away don't anything. Spoil but anything yet. I just think she was such a great character, and I don't 
think that she's quite to the whatever that Rebecca and uh, what's her name and Rebecca. She doesn't have well, yeah. to right. I'm not. I don't think they were yeah. saying it's it's a you know remake or anything like that. But just no. there's if you're gonna look for something to like pair it with. The Hitchcock's Rebecca is probably the closest thing because this woman who's not from the world that she enters into, you know, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. Um, It's not the same plot by any means, but as far as like the structure and the the environment, but yes, Alma's reaction is severely different. Um, But even throughout the film, I just think she's a much stronger like character. Well, um, and that's kind of what I mean. Her reaction's different, herself. right? Like how she yeah. deals with everything is different than than I can't remember the character's name. It's not Rebecca because that was the ex wife's name, but um, Mrs. No, it, no, it's it's their whatever his last name was. It is Mrs. She doesn't have her own last name in the credits. It's just whenever she gets married, she becomes Mrs. Whatever. But yeah, um, I like Phantom Thread a whole lot too. Um, but I've also seen a few other things. I went and checked out Den of Thieves. Which has some good stuff in it. It's predominantly bad. It's way, 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 way too long. Um, if you don't know what Den of Thieves is, it's Gerard Butler, um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., 50 Cent. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to pull up uh, all the details because there's more people than that. Um, Pablo Schreiber, uh, Don Oliveri, um, directed by uh, Christian Gudegast. Gudegast? I'm not sure if it's Gudegast or Gudegast. Um, there is definitely, if you're a fan of like the Oceans movies, uh, the heist in this is pretty cool. The setup is not great. There's They waste a lot of time on backstory that doesn't go anywhere, um, particularly Gerard Butler's character. Uh, it's an interesting attempt of like showcasing a group of cops that are not necessarily good cops. They don't follow all the rules. And a group of criminals who aren't necessarily purely bad as they're all ex-Marines trying to you know see that both have good and bad qualities um and there's a lot of stuff that's just wasting time um unfortunately because i was ready to like walk out angry because i thought especially oh. how the, it looked like the movie was going to end and then Weesh. there was a twist that i was really compelled with and i uh i ended up it's one of my longer reviews i think i wrote 900 words about den of thieves but um yeah if you want to get all my thoughts uh and spoiler free um you can hit BurkeReviews.com. Um, and then the surprise, because I took my wife and I went and saw Phantom Thread on Thursday. Uh, not Thursday, on Sunday, sorry. And then uh, on Tuesday night, um, she got home from work and she's like, let's go see a movie. And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, and she wanted to go see Forever My Girl, which is not a movie that I would have gone to see um, had she not wanted to. Have you? I think we talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago, this is the, uh, it's a romance about a country singer who, um, he finds out that he had a daughter with his old girlfriend, and so he now he's trying to, like, kind of get back into the, that world, like, outside of his fame, um, directed by Bethany Ashton Wolf, stars Alex Rowe, Jessica Roth, um, John Benjamin Hickey, I think the little girl's name is Abby Ryder Forston, and she is the best part of the movie, um, it, my wife loved it, I, I was, more into it than I would have expected and definitely that uh, I keep seeing the trend with me and um parenting movies where wherever there's like a you know in this case it's a dad trying to like make up for lost time and um get you know reconnect and and make up for some mistakes and I definitely was into that story more than anything else there are some parts that it's very over dramatic like everything this guy has like so many things that he's done wrong like it's 
um, that he's trying to like redeem for, and it's a little over the top with that. It's very, very much a lifetime movie that's got a theatrical release, um, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I watched Boyhood Wednesday, and then last night, a, a couple of things came to our theater. In fact, our theater, our local theater, has Shape of Water as of today. It has Itania as of today. Um, it brought Dark Darkest Hour back, and it has still has Call Me by Your Name. And the post, so we have like five Oscar noms right now, and uh, but and Hostels came out this weekend, which has Christian Bale and also Timothy Chalamet, um, and a few other uh, actors that uh, I'm gonna go see this weekend. I didn't go last night though, and The Maze Runner, The Death Cure, which I still haven't seen Score Trial, so I didn't bother to see that. What I did realize though is that a movie I hadn't seen that I wanted to see was leaving the theater this weekend if I didn't go last night, so I went and saw Paddington Two. And that movie is a pure joy. I, I can't express enough how good Paddington Two was to me. Like I had a, f- I was laughing, and I was by myself. Uh, there was a, 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 like I think a grandma and her grandson, and then there was a, an older guy by himself, and then I think there was one other couple like towards the front of the theater, and we were all laughing, all having a good time. Um, I, I a legitimate tear like rolled down my eye at the end of the movie. It was a tear of joy, not sadness. Okay. Um it was just it was such it it's everything pays off. Like they set up a bunch of jokes early, they all pay off by the end. Um Sally Hawkins, who's also in Shape of Water, is the oh, yeah. uh, um she's in it and she's fantastic. Hugh Grant is amazing. Um and Brendan Gleason, who I'm a really big fan of, has a great role in um as the prison cook. Uh, named Knuckles, spelled with no, no K, just an N, because. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and and our friend Brendan, who uh, you can hear more about Brendan's movie taste on uh, Burke Review's top five movies from last week. But Brendan had uh, seen Paddington Two earlier in the week and also loved it. Um, so we had a quick conversation after I got out of the movie last night um, via text, just like. That was really, really fun. I really enjoyed watching it, and um, I didn't regret it at all. So I'm glad I went and checked it out before it left the theater because it was definitely um, – and Ben Wishaw is the voice of Paddington, and he's just great. Um, and then the last thing I've watched, Corey, because I've had a biz- – like, I have not – I am on day 28. talking, talking folks. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm it, it impressed. Does uh, day 28. I've watched 28 days in a row of movies, so – Eight days later. Exactly. Um, I didn't. I should have watched that today. That would have been a good. Yeah. You know. Should have. But instead, I watched one of the Oscar nominate nomination, not not best picture, but just it's got a few uh, nominations that I had not seen. That's on Netflix, which is Mudbound. Um, oh yeah. That okay. that movie is fantastic. It is intense. Uh, I don't. It's not that it's intense. There is a moment that is really intense. Um, towards the end, like when it climaxes, it, it is it is a hard ending to watch, but there is some really good um, character work and um, an interesting kind of look because it's set after World War Two in um, I think Mississippi. Um, John. Yeah. It's clicking, and your voice has gotten really quiet. Oh, that wasn't clicking. That was me clicking. I apologize. Um, oh. Okay. I get nervous twitches, and I was clicking a sharpie. Um. I apologize. But so it is a uh, really good movie, but definitely one that's um, hard to watch 
um, because it does deal with some racism because it's set in the South in the right after World War II. But that's it actually deals with um, soldiers coming home from war and trying to deal with what they saw and what they you know experienced, and uh, from two different perspectives from a, a white guy and from a black guy, um, and um, Jason Mitchell, who you might know uh, from. Straight out of Compton, he was Eze there, and he was in Kong Skull Island earlier this year. Um, he is the uh, Ronzel, but he is the sol- the African American soldier who goes to World War II, and then um, I believe I'm trying to find out what the guy's name um, Garrett Headland, who I've seen in some other stuff, but I, I'm it's not clicking where from. But he plays Jamie, who um, goes to uh, World War II as well. Oh, he's in, inside Luland Davis apparently. Um, and when they both get home, um, they're connected, uh, Jamie's brother, who's played by Jason Clark, owns a farm, and, um, Ronzel's family, uh, works on the farm. They're not slaves, because this is in the 50s, so this is, you know, long after the Civil War, but they definitely are still mistreated. Where they live is not okay. Um, racism is still very high, uh, and yet, you know, their experiences at war were really interesting um and then dealing with it though and they find like a a, a friendship um and they they don't see the, their races anymore you know they they see each other as soldiers they didn't know each other while at war which i liked that part of the movie because i thought that would have been a little too convenient if they like r- happened to run into each other at, run into each other again um well they didn't know each other uh until after the war actually like the the way it makes sense in the film it's not some weird like plot point um but i was I was really captivated. Um, there's some really great performances in it. Uh, and an interesting thing, one of the nominations that they received is for Best Cinematography. And um, the uh, I'm going to get her name, but it is the first female cinematographer to ever be nominated for that award. Oh, heck. Uh, there has never been a, uh Oscar-nominated female cinematographer until now. And that is huge. Um, a big step in the right direction. Uh, Rachel Morrison is the cinematographer's name. Um, so, you know, and she's a cinematographer for Fruitvale Station. It looks like she's a cinematographer on Black Panther. Um, so, you know, she's doing great work already, but getting that recognition is huge that finally a female has been nominated for that award. Hopefully she wins, but um, that's what I've been watching this week. And it's I know it's a lot, but that's what I do. I'm impressed. Now, Corey, you had seen Boyhood before? Yes. And, and I was mistaken. I did not see this one in theater. I saw it oh. after it came out because I think that Bill watched some of it with me. Well, we're going to get into our initial review of Boyhood, and then we'll get into our spoiler review. But first, let's go through some of the information. Uh, Boyhood came out in 2014, directed by Richard Linklater. Um, stars... Uh, Eller Coltrane, whose name is kind of weird. Um, Patricia Arquette. Elijah Smith is not really a star. They listed by alphabetical order. Hold on. Uh, Lorelai Linklater. Oh, I didn't realize that was his is daughter. Is that Sam? Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming it's his daughter. I did not put that together. I didn't look at her name all the way, apparently. Um, Ethan Hawke. Um, trying to look through because this is super not in order of appearance. Or it is in order of appearance. I'm sorry. It's not by star power. Um Marco Perella is the Professor Bill, her um, Patricia Arquette's, I guess, technically second husband or first husband we see. Yeah, we'll talk about him in extensively, I promise. Um, 
there's a few other big names that I'm trying to find, like Sheena, who is uh, his girlfriend later. I feel like she needs to be mentioned because she's got a major plot point. There's a lot of cast because uh, if you if you're not familiar with Boyhood, um, it was a crazy experiment in the art of film as Richard Linklater set out and filmed this over 12 years. Um, so you see um, Eller Coltrane, you see everybody age, but particularly it's focused on Mason, who is uh, Eller Coltrane. Um, and we see him age from 2002 to approximately 2013. Um, and it, it's crazy to think like how they did this. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and um, it's really interesting. Like the, the whole script was not written. The, uh, he, when Linklater would like, he'd write part of it. He had the ending written out. And then um, as the, uh, they filmed the, their scenes for the year, he would uh, rewatch what they had from the previous year and write some more, but also interview the actors and integrate elements from their real life into this. Um, so, you know, really cool stuff like that. It's a, it's, it's a super experimental, which I had kind of pushed this film off as nothing more than a novelty um, because of that. And uh, I don't regret pushing it off, but I, I definitely was way more into this film than I was expecting to be. Um, I did have, uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role from Patricia Arquette won the Academy Award in 2015. Um, the movie was nominated for Best Picture, but I think lost to Birdman uh, or The uh, Inconvenience yeah. of – wait, The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. There it is. Um, I always get it. I just have to like stutter for a second. Um, nominated for Best Supporting Actor with Ethan Hawke, uh, Best Achievement in Directing nominee, Best Original Screenplay nominee, um, Best Achievement in Film Editing nominee. Uh, it did win Golden Globe for Best Motion um, Drama and Best uh, Director. Oh, and Patricia Arquette won the Golden Globe also. So she won two awards for this. Um, Hawk won, uh, or is not did not win, but was nominated again, and so was Screenplay. So some big accolades for this film that I had put off. Um, and it was on the Rotten Tomatoes uh, Top 100 All-Time list, and I found something really, really interesting um, and again, Corey, I need to shut up and let you talk for a minute, but I, no, I, please keep going. We all know what a great conversationalist I am. Well, <laughs> the, one of the things that I found super interesting about this movie, which I took a screenshot, but I don't see it now. So, oh, there it is. Um, I went looking, I noticed on IMDb that boyhood has a 100 on Metacritic. What? 100 and out of 50 critics, which means if you are familiar with Metacritic versus Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic is like your average in a class. So they take all of the scores that are given and divide, you know, add that up and then divide it by the number of scores there. So you get an average score where Rotten Tomatoes score is not based on the score itself, but based on positive or negative. So if a film critic liked the movie, it's going to uh, count as a positive review. So if 100 critics all like it, but they might like it at varying degrees it's going to have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So 100% on Rotten Tomatoes is much easier to get than 100 on on Metacritic. And I realized while looking at this that I'd never seen 100 on Metacritic. So I went to Metacritic.com and I looked at their all-time movies, top rated, and found out there are only five films that have a Metascore um, of 100 ever. Now, to be fair, there are films that exist that have not been uh, not received enough critic reviews um, to get a Metascore, and those are especially like older movies generally, but 
Um, I was thinking maybe, Corey, can you guess what the other four films are that have received a 100 from all critics that have been, uh, you know, used for Metascore? Forrest Gump. No. Damn it. I know not. I'm just trying to think of my favorite films, the best films in the world, which happen to be my favorite. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, but think, though, like like two of what you just said, if you think... What are some of the biggest considered best films of all time? Gone um, with the Wind. Not it's close. It's not in the top five. It is just off. I think it's ninety eight. Um, I don't have that in front of me, but from what I remember, there was a few. There's only I think three films that have a ninety nine, and then two that have a ninety eight, and then it starts dropping substantially. So if you're Psycho, uh, no Psycho is I think also in the top ten though. So you're not you're not far off. You're like you're dancing around it. Keep, oh, keep thinking. What's considered okay. uh, the greatest movie of all time? Have you like? I've probably never seen it. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you may not have. In fact, I, I actually hadn't seen it until two years ago. So, um, okay. So, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, no. Is that too old? It's not too old. In fact, um, the top three, like they're all a hundred, but it's listed. Uh, Boyhood's number four on the list. The top three are from 1941, 1972, and 1943. So they're all fairly old, but they're big enough that they've gotten enough critic scores. Uh, it's a wonderful life. No, I wish that's probably like in the eighties because it's it's kind of campy and Christmassy. Well, I want to know. I don't want you to tell me. I don't want to <laughs> take up our precious time on the the thing, but I want to guess. So, loyal listeners, I'm sorry. Um, okay, so I feel like one of them is going to be a Hitchcock film. Uh, it's no, unfortunately, he is not in the top five. Dang. Gravity. Uh, no. And in fact, I was wrong. Um, Psycho is not in the top ten. Neither is Gone with the Wind. I was completely wrong. Um, OMG. But Moonlight that we watched last week is number yes. eight. Number eight with it a ninety-nine. Should, should be. Uh, I'll go. I'm gonna go since we're doing the top five. I'm gonna go from ten to six. Okay. Okay. So okay. ten at ninety-eight is all about Eve. There's one more 98, so Hoop Dreams, which I loved and didn't realize it was critically acclaimed because it was about basketball, but I loved that growing up. It's a Spike Lee movie, Denzel Washington, and an actual basketball player, Ray Lewis. Um, I don't think that's right. Pretty, I don't know. Ray Lewis sounds wrong. But actual basketball player um, who – well, I'm going to be mad if it's not Ray Lewis. But Hoop Dreams is also 98, and then it drops from there. But um, All About Eve is number 10, 98. Pan's Labyrinth with 98 is number 9. Oh, yeah. Moonlight, 99 at 8. Uh, 7, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And 6, Singing in the Rain at 99. These are all Metascores. So, all time, Boyhood's number 4. So, number 5. I don't know if you'll know this movie. I didn't know this movie existed until I was studying Edgar Wright last year and then came across um, why the Cornetto trilogy is called Three Flavors Cornetto. Go ahead. Um, so number five is uh, there's a trilogy called the Three Colors trilogy. It's, it's oh, a... our guest talked about that. Yeah, and it's uh, red. the The red three color is um, number five at one hundred. I don't know where the other I think three that colors. That was his favorite one. I need to see them. It's been on my list, but that is why uh, Edgar named the Cornetto trilogy Three Flavors Cornetto. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky's n- no, nope, nope. Damn it! Oh, brother, where art thou? Okay, so 41, 43, and 72, Corey. <laughs> oh, damn it, I forgot about the years. 41, 43, and 72. Um, 
I don't think the graduate. I think the graduate was made in the sixties. Uh, I'll make you an offer that you can't refuse. Okay. Oh. This oh. Per- sh- you don't know the movie, I guess. <laughs> Go. Just tell. Just tell us. Right. Damn it. Number three. Um. Here's looking at you, kid. That's the name of the movie. No, Casablanca. Corey, you're killing me. Oh, here. I've never um, seen Casablanca. We oh, talked about this. You must watch this movie. Um, The Godfather. Hours long. Oh damn! I know The Godfather. That Why was the, was I... I'll make a, make you an offer you can't refuse. Uh, Dang Corey. it. Um, and then, uh, considered by many to be the best movie ever made, the masterpiece of Orson Welles, Citizen Kane. Oh, Citizen Kane, which I've also. Never watched. Which I had not seen until two years ago. I hadn't seen Casablanca until two years ago, or The Godfather until two years ago. So I can't talk too much crap. But um, Gone with the Wind is number thirteen, and Psycho is number sixteen, both with ninety-seven. So That's a pretty tough list. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, and how they bounce around quite a bit. Like I never really looked at um, other than like individual films. I not looked at their their top list, and I mean some of these movies are super new. Like seeing Man- so. Um, Moonlight in the top ten is awesome. You know, such a new film. Um, uh, I feel like this would be a good list for us to do every January because it's going to change. It could maybe not a lot, but and so and that was Metacritic, which was not what we use as our metric for picking our movies for this. But maybe next year instead of uh, Rotten Tomatoes, we use Metacritic scores. Um, you know, their top one hundred or something like movies we haven't seen in their top one hundred. Because I, I am a bigger fan of the Metascore um, just because it is a, I think, more true look at how critics are actually rating the film versus, like, Certified Fresh is nice, but it just means people like it. This is giving you, like, an idea of how much they like it. Um, and 100, I mean, that means every critic that reviewed it gave it a perfect score. That speaks volumes, you know? So, um, that said, uh, Boyhood is in the top five Metascore of all time, which of course doesn't mean anything, um, really. I mean, because fifty critics liked it doesn't mean everyone likes it. But I, I was really impressed, Corey. But what, what are your thoughts? Especially this is your second time, and you had to watch it over three nights because it is almost three hours long. It's two hours and forty five minutes, and I apologize uh, for it's you. It's okay, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so the first time I watched it, I did just see. I was like, I. I don't, it was what, like three or four years ago. And I didn't understand all the hype. Um, I oh. felt like it was kind of that novelty thing. Like people just are like loving this because of how much time it took and that it's such a different approach to filmmaking and blah, 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 blah. Um, I liked some of it, but I thought it was far too long. This time around, I still believe it's long, but I really appreciated it a lot more than I did initially. Hmm. Yeah, I um, I can't wait to talk about who the character that I think had the most growth throughout the film. Oh, interesting. I I'm I'm intrigued to hear that. I mean, okay. um, I I wasn't. I kind of went in not expecting to like it. I am uh, lukewarm on Richard Linklater. Um, yeah, yes. And uh, you know, I, I love Days and Confused. I didn't love Everybody Wants Some. I actually really liked Bernie. Um. Seen that, one. I that, that one's super interesting. Um, and then I look at the stuff that he's done, and I'm always so surprised. I actually like Slacker, yeah. um, and I I love School of Rock, but I would have never had known he made that. Um, you know, other than looking at it, but like never would have looking at that film and looking at his others, I would have never put that together. 
um, I've been meaning to and still have not watched before sunset, before midnight, or before sunrise. Um, they're not in that order, but I've not watched those yet. I own all three. Um, and then last year's Last Flag Flying, I really want to see, and it's coming out on Tuesday. Um, that has Steve Carell, um, Lawrence Fishburne, and Brian Cranston, uh, all Army vets who uh, reunite after Steve Carell's son, who is also a uh, military, dies in combat, and they're going to his funeral together. Um, I've heard mixed things about it, but I really do want to see it. Um, I watched Linklater's The Scanner Darkly. I did like that quite a bit. Um, you know, I said that, and now I'm looking at the ones I have seen. I guess I like most of his movies that I've seen. Everybody wants them. I didn't dislike, but I didn't get into. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, I'm maybe being too harsh. I hadn't seen enough of his movies, I guess. Um, but I can't kind of went into this movie not expecting to like it, especially because it's really long. Um Linklater is from Texas, and he does seem to set a lot of his films there. Uh, this film is, yep. This film is set in uh, initially Houston, I believe, and then it transitions to Austin, um, which got me excited because I'm going to South by Southwest in a month. Uh, rub it in. I will continue to rub it in um, because. And this is the last episode I'm going to be on for a while, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, the fun will be when I have to do the preview episode with you uh, to talk about South by Southwest movies. I'm going to see. Didn't you I tell you to... I can't be in that? You are going to. I need someone to talk to. Um... <laughs> talk to Ramona. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. speak much. Um, but <laughs> I I ended up really enjoying Boyhood um, far more than I expected. Especially, I am a plot um, heavy fan. Like I definitely prefer a movie with a lot of substance and plot than um, a character study in more cases than not. But I was so captivated with um, the family drama. And I did feel like there was a, a narrative still um, with him of him trying to figure out, you know, what he wants and his relationships. And I was, I was really impressed with um, Eller Coltrane as an actor, even like young Eller is, is really good. Um, I, I appreciated him throughout the whole film, too. I think he was great. And I think that all of the actors, even the child actors in the beginning of the film, are really good. But when he becomes, like, a young teenager up until the end of the film, I feel like so many of the actors and actresses around him just are not up to par with him. Oh, wow. Um, I I liked uh, Lorelai Linklater, who is, I'm assuming, again, Linklater's daughter. I'm double-checking that. It is. I already checked it. Okay, yeah. Um. I thought she did a pretty good job. I actually thought she got better as she got older. Um, mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, like, oh, one of my notes, which I don't usually get into my notes until um, we are really, really into the spoilers and stuff, but um, the opening sequence doesn't have any spoilers. But when she wakes him up singing I the Britney Spears song, oh, man. I'm not that innocent. And then she starts like, crying uh, when he throws it. Little uh, manipulative brat. Yeah, I was very... Um, uh, just really pleasantly surprised with so much about this movie. Um, and this kind of, it's not a spoiler because we said that he grows up. We're going to see him age 12 years. But I was so shocked at how much he looked like Ethan Hawke at the end of this movie. Word. Like, I mean, it, part of it is the hair and the facial hair because it's very much an Ethan Hawke look. But I'm looking at him like, is this Ethan Hawke's kid for real? Because, man, he looks like Ethan Hawke now. But, um, so it sounds like we both liked the movie. I, I will have to wait until spoilers to see how much, uh, we both liked it. But, um, 
yeah, I do want to get into spoilers and talk about uh, things that we liked about the movie. So, Corey? That's my cue. Guys, we're going to talk about Boyhood in great detail, probably. So if you haven't watched it yet, it's on Netflix. So just go watch it and then come back and give us a listen. If you don't care, we'll steam ahead. So I really like the soundtrack in this movie. I was just about to say that, and (laughs) I didn't remember that from the first time that I watched it. Like, I love Wilco, and I love... There were, uh, like, uh, Yola Tango, um, Arcade Fire, um, so many good bands and so much good music. And I love that that's a part of he and his dad's relationship. Which definitely is a big part of what I connected to in general because so much of what he is into is stuff that I am into. Um, He gets into photography. I teach yearbook and photography uh, partially. Um, You know, he's he's into music. His dad's into music. So, obviously, that's going to click with me. Um, Even... The Austin scene, which is, um, you know, a thriving music scene and um, hipster hangout, as if you will. So uh, there was a lot of that that I also enjoyed. And um, where else I connected with this kid is the scene that I don't know if we want to jump so far ahead just yet. I don't have like a timeline per se, but I do have notes going from the beginning to the end, essentially. But I tried to be more um, like bullet point notes than I normally am. So uh, some of the stuff I don't quite remember but Patricia Arquette's character definitely has horrible taste in men with maybe the exception of Ethan Hawke which I really appreciated that like he's not perfect either he abandoned his family though and I don't you don't I feel like when you're a dad I feel here's what I feel like it's so much more socially acceptable for men to like run away and collect themselves and that's okay but what if a mom dumped her kids and did that like he ran away to alaska for a year and a half he hasn't seen his kids in that time he hasn't really talked to them i don't you know what i mean even if uh, i guess i mean to say we, we don't see their early relationship so we don't get to see how he treated her there are some hints that it wasn't good um but i feel they, like the moment he joins the film he is making a much bigger effort than he had previously and from oh, yeah. what we see, it, that seems to always be the case. Like he is, from the time we see him, he's around, and the kids seem. I actually th- thought the kids handled him way better than a lot of scripted movies. Like a lot of times, one's either way overly affectionate, or they are overly dramatically like, "Screw you, Dad," because you left us. Yeah, like wait, like they were more like, "Yeah, this is just part of our lives. This is just a, yeah. a normal thing." Like, the thing, I feel like the things, they were so excited to show him their bedrooms and stuff, and I feel like that is such, you know what I mean? I was, when I was a kid, I was excited to show people my bedroom, you know, things like that, like, um, and then, like, going, um, when Mason Jr. is going through his little keepsake box and showing him his arrowheads and stuff, and he remembers Mm -hmm. exactly where he got all of them and where he bought one, Um, but, so, Mason Sr., played by Ethan Hawke, is the character that I think grows the most in this film. Yeah, yeah, I could he see has, that for sure. Yeah, because um, he does stick around, and even when they move, you know, they move from Houston to Austin, I'm not sure how far away that is, or when they're, like, moving and he doesn't live close by, he still makes such an effort mm-hmm. to see them and be a part of their lives. <sighs> and yes, Patricia Arquette's character, I just wanted to pop her. Because uh, when she first introduces Mason to, I'm forgetting his name, is his name Ted in the movie, The Professor? Uh, Bill is the name. Bill. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bill Wise. There, 
is just something immediately that made me uncomfortable. I don't even know what it was. And he's all, well, maybe we should get them together, and, mm. you know, about their kids. And I was just like, gross. And also, when you're beautiful and young, why are you going to marry a man that's old and decrepit and twice your age? Oh, because he's a professor. Sorry. There's that allure of, like, you know, he's a smart, well-thought-out man who she respects because think of her last Ethan Hawke's character didn't have a career. He didn't have any prospects. So this is like a total opposite guy. He was also and it's young. What she wants to be. It's what she wants to be. Um, and think like he was young and immature, and he left her. So go with an older man. It kind of a lot of it makes sense. Um, why she would choose him, and he's got two kids, so he's a good father, or at least that's the illusion. Um, I also thought he was a douche immediately. I think that's even in my notes. I think I wrote, "I don't trust this guy." Um, I'm gonna scroll down. Um, Professor hitting on mom. I, I wrote yeah. that's all I wrote because like the second he's like we should get together. I'm like, dude, the kid's right there. And then like the next scene, they're married. I'm like, what the crap? Um, and immediately I was like, stepdad seems aggressive. Now, what you need to know about me, uh, listeners, and I don't know if you know this or not, Corey, but I think you do. But um, I my stepdad was an abusive asshole. And if my mom listens to this podcast because I do not speak to her anymore because she's with an abusive asshole too bad that this is now public because I don't think an abusive asshole deserves to have privacy about it he beat the shit out of my mom multiple times in front of me he never hit me came close a few times but I witnessed some horrible crap so in the in this movie Bill is that evil asshole stepdad and I am weak with confrontations because of years of watching my mother be abused I don't like violence especially not in real life and I will freeze up Unless I feel like somebody I love is threatened now. That is the one time that I don't freeze up. But I don't like scenes like this. They It hit me on such a personal level because it is exactly what I grew up watching. And it was so real. When Bill throws the glass at Mason, I was as shocked as Mason was. Like I was – Mason's kind of stunned and doesn't move. That was me, like, watching the movie. It, it hit me on such a personal level, and I could not get past that scene for a few moments. Like, I had to walk away. Now, I wasn't crying. Like, and I, I've admitted many times on this podcast, I do cry at movies. I cry at movies all the freaking time, especially now. It's just a thing. But it, it hit me on such, like, a visceral level that I was like, all right, now's a good time to take a break in this three-hour movie. Because it is a three-hour movie, so I did have to use the bathroom several times during the three hours. Um, but that was one where it was like, I'm going to use the bathroom. I didn't necessarily have to, but it was time to go to the bathroom and, you know, catch my breath because what Linklater captures in that moment is what it's like to live with an alcoholic, um, especially an alcoholic who has no problem being abusive. When the kids come home and find Patricia Arquette's character on the ground in the garage and that leads to the awkward dinner and, and then... The... Oh, she had an accident. Yeah. Oh, but and he... I forgot exactly what you know. I forgot exactly what had happened. Um, and they don't tell you until like a bit later. I knew he had. I remembered he had abused her, but I couldn't remember exactly what he did. And it, it's like so apparent so early on to even the kids that he's an alcoholic. And yeah. I just, 
I ugh, I don't know. Well, the his his son Bill has his uh, son and daughter that are essentially the same age as Patricia Arquette's, and they get along really great. The kids are like best friends. It seems like to me, like the yeah, two which boys. is awesome. It it is, and um, there's a scene where Bill goes to the the liquor store. And he's like, I'm gonna pick up a bottle just in case anyone comes over. And when he gets out of the car, his, his son says, "Nobody ever comes over," but he uses that as an excuse. And so, like right away, you're like, "Oh, he he!" And then we see him hiding the liquor bottle in the cabinet and putting it in a big blue solo cup so people can't see what he's drinking. Um, and you definitely get the vibe that he's drunk a few times, but it definitely gets worse over the what are they're probably together for like two years, maybe three years, um, before it finally escalates to actual violence. And um, when it escalates, it escalates. And Patricia Arquette did something that I was upset with. And yet understood, she left the kids. Yeah. Which bothered me immensely. Um, But I also understood, she went to get help. But I'm just like, I don't don't know that you should have left the kids. I could see, I could see her getting beat and like, you know what I mean? Not, and then not being able to leave. I could, I don't know. I like I was mad too, but I also really understood because if he knew that she was trying to leave, I don't think he would have let her leave. Oh, oh! In the line when he's after he throws the bottles and he gets up and he's still yelling at her and he's like, "I hate squash," was what Bill says. He's like, "I hate squash," and I was just like, I was already like so freaked out. I was like, "What a line to drop there!" Like, "I hate squash," um, but. Because he had also, before the abuse happens, he made um, Mason get his head shaved. That pissed me off, me and it pissed too. me off that his mom didn't really. Well, I'll talk to him, and it's like you're. I'm not a parent, but I I appreciate that my parents used to let me do what I wanted with my hair, and I would have been very self conscious about that at that age. And uh, oh. just I felt like he, the kid was like ambushed, and he had no choice, and he's at the barber, and mm. oh, I, and all. Uh, and this is kind of jumping around too, but like, I, she ends up dating a guy who used to be in the military a little yeah. later on, mm-hmm. and he comments on Mason being feminine because he paints his fingernails. And then I feel like Bill was kind of doing the same thing too because he had long hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is I feel I know it's everywhere, but I was just thinking, is this like really predominant in Texas? Well, there's a couple things, and yes, uh, there's a few things that there's definitely commentary in Texas. In the, right after he gets his haircut, he goes to school and he's embarrassed, and people are picking on him. But then the one girl says he's cute or whatever. Yeah, but, I like your hair. Um, but which, by the way, I think that girl that sends him the note is the girl he meets at the end of the movie at college. Like, I, oh, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm like fairly confident it's the same girl. Um, yeah, I want to look. At, I, like, do, but what really freaked me out about that scene? Um, when he is uh, goes to school that day, is there's a Texas pledge for their flag. Oh, yeah. They, uh, like, turn and do... Yeah. Well, I, like, because I've lived in Florida my whole life, um, so the only pledge I've ever said is the United States of, of America flag pledge. You know, I pledge allegiance to the flag. I didn't know other states have pledges for their flags. Like, not every state, but some states do. And I was like, what? New information to me. So I was, like, really blown away oh. by that. Dude, they I, it's so funny, but also, I don't know. I've I've wanted to move to Austin for a long time. I've never even been, but I just know that I will love it there. And it's just so funny because everyone always talks about Texas succeeding <laughs> from the Union. 
and you know they're gonna be their own country and stuff like that so i don't know well yeah and then there's um but so that whole sequence with the the stepdad really really got to me and but i thought it was so it felt so real um and i was it's so tragic that uh she has to leave bill's kids with bill because she has no custody of them because he's a monster, and I, I can't imagine and what happened to those kids. kids. They are. They were really sweet kids, and obviously— uh, I want to know where their mother is because they live with him. Yeah, I don't know if maybe she passed away or something. Um, but, yeah, um, Samantha was definitely devastated. And so Mason was upset, too, but I think Samantha had a closer relationship with the sister than um, Mason did with uh, Randy, I think was the kid's name. Um, but, yeah, that was that was a tough sequence, and— uh, really well done though, and I thought just impressive writing and, and acting. I really appreciated um, this time around too, like the transitions through time, and yeah. um, you just like pick up and he they move to another town, or hey, mom has just finished her degree, or uh, you know, I mm-hmm. I can't remember all the instances, but I I like that. Some of the visual storytelling, too, in the film, I had more, I don't think I wrote the examples down that I was thinking, but, like, um, when we meet Sheena, who is his, like, high school girlfriend, um, and then we cut from, like, them being together at his sister's college dorm room to him taking down a picture of her that he had taken, because he's a photographer later in the movie, um, I knew immediately what Linklater was implying with us seeing him, like, taking down the picture even though he was taking it down at an art show i immediately thought they've broken up and sure enough that's Body what happened and um he does that throughout the film where like you you get little things and you see it pay off later on and there's little references um some of the visuals some of the transitions are amazing um i really like uh him kind of becoming a hipster you know he's like all existential reading kurt vonnegut and i i love that he was reading vonnegut <laughs> um and i but I feel like all through the movie, though, even since he was a little kid, he seemed very sure of himself. Mm. Yeah. And, like, who he was and who he wanted to be. And it never, like, fits in with what everyone else is doing. But he's still really likable and he still has friends and stuff. But he doesn't, like, conform to everything that they're doing. And she complains about that, you know, after they've broken up. Oh, somebody who's miserable. I never found thought that he was miserable. I thought... He just he's just you know his noggin. Well, I think it I think it kind of fits into our personalities that we've never been like total main like I'm I'm fairly mainstream with a lot of my taste I guess, but as far as like I don't flow with what everybody else is doing. I actually have a I take issue with large groups of people doing the same thing. Like it bugs me um, because I I don't like the idea of like following of like just being you know, not not thinking for yourself and just following the herd um and not that i'm a rebel either i just don't like the idea of of someone not thinking about what they're doing like doing something because that's what everyone else is doing versus doing something because you've thought about it and decided this is the right thing to do that bugs me um and so i kind of relate to him in that way because it it doesn't seem like he's like negative or he's not like he's never depicted as like some depressed teenager or anything like that he just doesn't get why some people do what they do. Um, and I really like, there's so many funny things. The conversation um, with Samantha uh, at, I think they're at the bowling alley later and like the sex talk happens. That scene <laughs> yeah. is so great. Like Ethan Hawke trying I, to like give his daughter the sex talk. and like. <laughs> I love when they go camping too. 
Mm. Mason Jr. and Sr. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I really enjoyed that camping sequence. I love them talking about Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, one of the things I like, because Linklater made this film over 12 years, there's so much organic like topical like conversation, yeah, yeah. It's it's just yeah. what was happening the year they were filming, like Obama, oh. the Obama signs, and the Sarah Palin and joke. I love when they are going to buy their Harry Potter books. Yes, and they're dressed up in Harry Potter, and I'm like, I remember people lining up at the bookstore. Yeah, you know, like it's seeing the Half Blood Prince book, and then uh, yeah, I was very excited by that. I mean, um, and that she, I think it's at the beginning of the movie. She's reading those books to him. I've never mm-hmm. read the Harry Potter books, but I, you know, oh, I've seen the movies. You yeah, should totally read the books. Um, I've read uh, the books. Um, having going into something when they were twenty-seven, you know, to do it just is a little overwhelming to me. But yeah. um, well, I just love that. Um, I when later in the film, um, Ethan Hawke uh, is. Um, with his new wife and they have a baby and the wife's family is super religious Annie um and I, I could there be anything more Texas than Mason's birthday presents from them a, a bible with his <laughs> name on it and then a rifle <laughs> and then they went to church and then they were talking about them coming back the next weekend for the baby's baptism and are you going to be one of those god people now I think yeah says. <laughs> I think it, Samantha <laughs> says it and he just kind of like he's trying She's to be like cool. I heard that <laughs> Yeah, I... um, I love that. I love that whole thing because again, it 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 very much feels like Texas. I've been to Texas once. I actually have been to Austin, not for South by Southwest, but I did see uh, Soulfly and El Nino in in Austin. I think I mentioned that last week. Um, I I'm I liked Texas. In fact, of the places I've been, Texas felt the most like home to me. Um. Mm-hmm. Aside from Florida, because Florida is has been my home my whole life. Not that I particularly like a big fan of it, but I do. Yeah, I'm still here. I, there's things I really like about Florida. Um, but uh, I think Linklater really captures, which makes sense. I mean, he's he loves Texas. He's from Texas. Um, it, it but it feels like you're there. Like it feels like it, you're it, living in the city. Mm-hmm. Not forced at all. Yeah, and um. There's so there's so many great little moments in this movie. I I was by the end when he goes off to college, um, and Patricia Arquette like breaks down that he's leaving and it's not even a big deal to him. Like I totally, I I know I'm four years or so away from Taylor going off to college, and that scene hit me pretty hard too, um, because it was like and oh, it God. was unexpected from her too though. Yeah, she's like all. I mean, I feel like all of you parents are like that. I would be too. Like get them out of the house. Get them out of the house. You like. Sells her house. She finally breaks up with that asshole ex, uh, Jim. whatever. Jim. Um, and he was like cool at first, and then he started drinking. See, I love how um, Linklater alluded to that though, because they're at a party. She has a party with one of her coworkers because she's a professor. Which I love that she grows too she throughout follows the film. Through. Um, yeah. But she has a party where they invite the students, which I thought was a little weird. I don't remember ever being invited to any of my professor's houses for parties. I wouldn't want to go. Um, I wouldn't either, but I don't remember even being invited. So if it was happening, no. I wasn't one of those kids, but um, she invites like her whole class. And I'm like, there's like, if this is one class, I assume you have several classes. Did you invite every one of them? And like, what if they all would have shown up? It would have not worked. But um, there's a part because M- Mason's in his bedroom with a girl, like a college student who's like kind of flirting with him. Um, and he was like 14, I think at the time, but he had the spray paint on the wall and he says, I went to an urban, 
um, art class or camp or something, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then uh, he goes back out in the living room or, you know, social area, and he looks up and sees Jim talking to Patricia Arquette. And the look he gives is that look like, not this again kind of thing. You're like, I've seen my mom with someone like this before. And we actually saw Mason do that look with Bill earlier in the movie. And sure enough, the next scene, Jim's living there. And you get the vibe. And Jim's like, I think uh, Ethan Hawke is picking up the kids. And like he has a conversation with Jim. They're, they seem very cordial. Um, and we see the progression get worse as Jim, who's an ex-military uh, is it looks like he's a, he's a corrections officer, but isn't making a lot of money. They're, they bought a they bought a money pit house that's falling apart on them. I love the scene with um, the septic tank guy. Yeah, and she tells him that you know you you're so smart. You should you should um, go to school. And then at the end of the movie, how they pay that off, where they're at the restaurant, and I he got comes goosebumps. Up. Me too, and I'm getting goosebumps now. Like. I, Holy heck. I love that little thing because that was such a throwaway moment that it could have never came back. And I think yeah. it, this is a, such a slice of life. I mean, it's beyond slice of life because this is it's 12 years of life on film like it. It really is amazing. Like I, I did not think I would enjoy this. I didn't think I would get past it being a novelty. And I, I don't think it is. I think Linklater did something really marvelous here he it's a scripted film that in many ways feels like a documentary because of the way it's shot that we're with these people for 12 years like not not different actors not aging technology legitimately took 12 years of filmmaking um gradually over the course of 12 years made this movie and so while we know it's fictional characters there is a feel that we we are really seeing these people change and Based on what I read from Wikipedia, which, again, who knows how accurate it is, but he was adjusting the script to meet his actors' personalities, which is probably why the kids were so good at even young ages, because he was trying to write the characters to be who they were, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm blown away with how much I enjoyed this movie um, and how good I think it is. Um, I definitely think it's worthy of the 100 on Metacritic, because no one else will do this. Like, who, who, who would do this? Who would think... I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to cast a kid, and I'm going to watch him grow up through 12 years. And um, Linklater has always explored kind of like what it is to be a man. Like with Dazed and Confused, there's very much the masculinity, and everybody wants them heavily. It's about like being like a guy, one of the guys, what it is to do that. And Boyhood kind of follows that. And I think it's interesting because it doesn't – Mason doesn't follow a lot of Linklater's other characters. He's not athletic. He's not a jock. You know, he is – because um, Dazed and Confused, they're baseball players. Everybody wants them. They're baseball players. This kid isn't. You know, he's he's into art. He's into, I mean, like Jim's character is the antithesis, right? He's the, the counter to Mason. He is the macho ex-military, you know, why you have earrings? Why is your hair long? Why are your nails painted? Uh, Bill's the same way. You know, those are, there are all these macho examples of men, and Mason isn't, but Mason's also a dude he's a guy he's not like you know they didn't make mason oh well you're gay because you don't do these things or you you're you're not a real man he's still very much a man he's not a wuss you know he doesn't take crap like he's a tough kid throughout the movie even like when he he does get bullied like at one of the when he first moves into one of the schools but he shrugs it off and it's over you know i was expecting that was going to be a big plot point that he was going to be like oh he's picked on he hates it here but it's not it's one scene in the bathroom he gets like like shoulder or whatever but it's over you know and i kind of like that because he isn't the traditional macho man you know he's not an athlete he's not that 
Uh, I hate that I said Macho Man right now because I'm all I can think of is oh yeah. But <laughs> um, I really to a slim like when you mentioned Ethan Hawke's character is really compelling. Patricia Arquette's character is is great, and she's she's really good in this movie. Um, I you know I've seen a few other things. I've seen uh, well, she's in Little Nicky, which I always forget. She's the girlfriend in Little Nicky. I always forget that too, and I just watched that a couple years ago. And um, I just watched True Romance like two years ago, and she's uh, with Christian Slater in that movie, and that movie's, you know, it's Tarantino written, um, very crazy film. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I have anything else I have to talk about. But Corey, is there anything that we skipped over that you want to bring up? Mm, I will say this: the first time I watched it, and the second time that I watched it, we know that it's going to end because. He is going into college, and he's an adult, but I was still disappointed both times that it was over. Oh, that it was over. Yeah, because I kind of want to see a little bit into his college life, you know? Yeah, I mean... Seeing him become, you know, like, I guess maybe professionally and academically who he wants to be, because I don't think he's going to just follow that, you know, projected path that so many other people follow. Yeah, and... um. Did you happen to find out if I was right about that girl? Because um, I, I, I know for a fact the note that he got from the girl said Nicole on it. I, at least I feel like I know that for a fact. Um, I didn't take my note. I didn't write her name down on my notes. But I know the girl at the end in college is named Nicole. They, I, I kept waiting for her to be like, we went to school together, but she never says that. So I could be totally wrong. But um, I. I'm looking. I feel like that would be one of those instances where he doesn't tell us everything he, yeah, you know. And it may not be. I may have just made a connection because Nicole is a common enough name. It could have been a coincidence. Um, I like Ashley. But um, just so much of what he does like connects back in this film, so I thought it's a possibility. But um, I, I, I liked how it ended, too. I, I was kind of concerned watching it. I'm like, when, what is he going to decide to end it with? Like, and. I, because I'm expecting a narrative, like, more, I kept waiting for, like, big conflict. Like, there was a couple of times when he was driving and doing stuff. Like, I th- there was drinking and driving a few times. And I kept, like, I'd freak out for a few seconds. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Is he going to kill him? Is he going to get hurt? Is he going And nothing big like that ever really happens. It's very much just, you know, normal, functional life. I mean, the biggest thing I think that happens in the movie is Bill, that that fight. Like, that. that's, like, the most dramatic moment even with the gun when he was shooting the gun i was like oh my god he's gonna shoot his grandpa like you know i kept waiting for something bigger to happen and it doesn't but i was okay with what happened like it just felt more natural and more real as a result because there was no melodramatic over-the-top craziness um that i can think of at least agreed and it says on uh the imdb page of the uh, you know cast it just says there's one uh, part that says elementary school, elementary elementary school girl, and then it says as Sydney or Orta. I don't see anything about another Nicole. Okay, well there you go. I must have I must have read into something. Um, but oh wait a minute. Nope. I am looking at Wikipedia, and it yep. says Mason and Samantha are enrolled in the same school as their step siblings, where Mason befriends Nicole, who has a crush on him. So this is right after the Half Blood Prince. And then Nicole is the girl in college. It does not confirm that it's the same Nicole, but it does confirm that it's Nicole um, both times. And it's definitely uh, possible because I think, I don't know if they were living in Austin at that time or is that when they were living in Houston? They were living in Houston there. And then 
he goes to college in Austin, so that doesn't it doesn't there's not enough evidence to to confirm it, but I was thinking it was the same girl. So definitely a possibility, and that'd be a cool little catch if it was. Um, I think though I have exhausted my comments on Boyhood, um, and I'm ready to give my rating. Are you? But I'm going first. Okay. Must see. I confirm. Um, I also think this is a must see movie. It was one that I almost didn't see. I was ready to completely skip this movie, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, I'm really glad I decided last minute too, because this was not my original pick for this episode. Uh, but I was go- we were going to watch uh, Laura, I think is what it is, um, which is an old noir film that was on Netflix for the longest time, and it was removed when it was time for us to watch it. So I opted for something else. I'm not sure how accessible it would have been to get. And so uh, I saw this. I knew it was on the list. I grabbed it. I was forgot that it was so long. But you know what? I, I don't care. I'm really glad I watched it. I, I loved it. And even though it's three hours, I kind of want to watch it again just because it was so – I was so into it. Again, I don't know if I can ever sit through that scene with Bill again because it really did it, – it kind of triggered my PTSD. Like that was – in my life – easily the most traumatic moments in my life were from the abusive ones that I witnessed and people can say oh get over it or whatever it's fine you can think that if you want to but it it really affected me as a kid and that scene definitely triggered you know brought back those memories and it was pretty nuts um but let's look towards next week and actually let's look towards next month Corey because we're changing topics uh, January was Certified Fresh, where we watched all four movies we watched this month in January were from uh, the Rotten Tomatoes Top 100 all-time list. But February, well, with Valentine's Day approaching, we decided to go with romantic comedies for the month of February. So everything we there watched... There was no we about this. I'm kidding. <laughs> you suggested this. I'm just kidding. Okay, I was like, I hold on. Uh, I you, know, I'm you just picked kidding. this one. I try to be. I try to be helpful sometimes. Well, I, I am an avid fan of rom coms. Um, my favorite movie of 2017 is The Big Sick. And me too. Following our normal rules for movie club, they have to be a film that we've not seen from this category. And there might be some disputes about films um, being rom coms or not, but. Uh, Hopefully there won't be any major issues, but the first one we're going to watch is Corey's pick, and she has picked from 1987, Moonstruck, with uh, Cher, and a currently very relevant Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Um, Have you heard that he's got two movies out right now, one at Sundance and one that came out just before, that are getting pretty good reviews? Um, No. And they're they're all supposed to be super crazy and using his kind of eccentric uh, qualities to a uh, a T. One is called, I'm pulling it up, uh, Mandy. Uh, Mandy is supposed to be really good. It's getting a lot of buzz out of Sundance. Um, it has an 8.6 user rating right now on IMDb, which is because critics uh, are just starting to see it because it's just at Sundance. Um, but then he had one last year called Mom and Dad that um, is not as highly rated, but I've heard from a few critics that I like. It's really crazy and interesting. Um has Selma Blair with him in that. Um, oh. and I, I really want to see that one. It's a pretty crazy, like horror type movie. Um, but yeah, I've heard Mandy is fantastic. So, um, it'll be interesting diving this far back. I've never seen Moonstruck either. Um, and I've heard really great things. It has an 83 Metacritic and a 7.1 IMDb user score. Um, and this one definitely qualifies. It is listed as on IMDb as comedy, drama, romance. 
Um, is it okay? What's the one with uh, Winona Ryder in Cher? <gasps> That's why I picked this one. It's Mermaids. Okay, I have not seen Mermaids either, but um, yeah, I need to see. I've I've actually not seen many of Cher's films, but I've heard great things about this one, so I'm excited about checking this one out. And Corey picked it um, because Danny Aiello is in it, and he was in Hudson Hawk, which is one of her favorite films. Yes, I love um, that movie. Actually, I just saw. Hold on a second. Olympia Dukakis is in this, ah. and she I know her from Steel Magnolias as Clarice, mm. and I love her in that mess. Yes, and John Mahoney, who I know from Frasier. So we've got some people in here, guys. Um, but okay. uh, I am excited to see this. This is available to watch on Amazon Prime. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you're a Prime member, it's free to watch on Amazon Instant. And uh, we'll be reviewing it extensively next week on Movie Club. So, have a good week, guys. Yes, until next time, folks. Um, you can follow us on social medias. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Crazy Cat Lady. I'm just kidding. At Corey R. Star with two R's on the end. Read our reviews at BurkeReviews.com. If you like our podcast, please share it. Go on iTunes, rate us, and review us. It helps new listeners find us. Um, we've got a lot coming up with Top 5. We're going to have a lot more interview episodes this year. And um, our next episode of Top 5 Movies is going to be young adult novels, uh, where Corey, myself, and I hope Mike will be looking at our Top 5 Movies that have been adapted from young adults. Now, we have done books. This is specifically young adult fiction in honor of the release of The Maze Runner, A Death Cure. Um, that's it, folks. Uh, we'll be back next week. Corey, have a good evening. Thanks. Bye. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.